Our society is often focused on color. When people go to buy a car, they often select a particular color and that's what they seek to purchase. Even something as simple as a cell phone. You see sometimes people with a pink cell phone or a yellow cell phone or an orange cell phone, they want that particular color. People will change the color of the walls in the house because they think, well, it's going to have a better uh, look. We want a new look. We think it's going to be more attractive if it's a different color. We find as we look at life that untold hours are spent uh, as far as picking out colors for weddings, graduation colors, interior decorating, and many other things. Because color plays such an important part in society, we should not be surprised to find that God has used color, the symbol of color, to communicate various truths to us. Beginning with the Old Testament and certainly in the New, we find a number of passages where God uses colors to impart some spiritual truths. Tonight, we could study a lot of colors. In fact, we could spend more than one Sunday night on this, but I just want to study this evening, one Sunday night, some of the basic colors that we find in the Scripture and to demonstrate some of the spiritual lessons that we find from these colors. The first color that we want to begin with is about as basic as it comes, and this is the color black. When we think about the color black, it is, of course, a color that's often used to symbolize tragedy. Now, there are times where a person may talk about a black tie event, and that particular event is a very elegant, it's a very uh, special. It's a place or an event where people come to be honored for something. But we also, as we think about black, are reminded that it is a color which is often used for tragedy. If we look at a funeral home and we see the uh, lead car that is usually driven by a funeral director, it's probably going to be black, or at least it's a, a very dark color. Black is a common color for those who attend funerals. When someone says everything went black, they're generally not describing some kind of positive experience. In the Bible, we do not really find the color black being used that often. But we do find a derivative of black. We find some references to blackness. But before we get to those, I want to mention a passage or two that does talk about the color black. In Job 30, verse 30, the Bible talks about black skin. And this skin is not talking about skin tone or skin color. Here he talks about black skin and it says it's about to fall off. Or some translations may indicate that it was actually falling off the body. Now we might think that the Bible would use the color black to describe sin. That would, I think, be logical in my mind. But the evidence for this idea, if it's there, it doesn't seem to be all that strong. But we do find a derivative of the color black. When we look at the word blackness, we find that this word is used in Scripture... And not only do we have blackness used, we find that it is a symbol. It is a representation for people being eternally separated from God. We're going to look at some passages tonight from Jude, Revelation, also uh, some information in Matthew. But we start with the book of Jude. In the book of Jude, verse 13, we have this blackness, if you will, uh, mentioned in verse 13. Jude, in talking about false teachers, said wild waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, for whom, and here it is, for whom the blackness of darkness hath been reserved forever. God says there's a place of blackness. In this black place is going to be Satan and all the helpers of unrighteousness. Describing hell with the color black, or we might say blackness to be exact with the text, it is an image that should be sufficient to motivate us to avoid this place. Imagine living in an environment, not just for a week or a day or a month or maybe a year, but imagine living in an environment where there is literally no light. No light whatsoever. No electric lights, no flashlights. The lack of light is so great that even something as brief as a match is not available. Never any kind of light whatsoever. I mean, it is completely dark. God says in Jude 13 that this is precisely what the world will face. The unsaved. We might then think of the color black 
as a symbol, as a powerful symbol for hell. Every time we see that color black, we can be reminded of Jude 13 and how hell is a place where we don't want to go. Well, the opposite of black is often considered to be white. And white is the next color that we want to think about. As we look at the scriptures and the color white, we once again find that this color is used to symbolize some things. It's used to indicate some truths to God's people. There are some colors that are capable of more than one meaning. This is true for the color white. If we go back to the Old Testament where we left off a while back, Exodus 4. We find in Exodus 4 verse 6, there's a statement there about Moses taking his hand and putting it inside his garment. Now when Moses did this and then removed his hand, the Bible says his hand at that point was white. Now that statement does not mean that Moses was necessarily, uh, as far as his skin tone, that he was some skin tone other than white. We don't have uh, a lot of definitive, definitive information about that. But here, as the Bible talks about his removing his hand from that part of his uh, body, uh, the color white is used to describe sickliness, illness. It's a way of describing a diseased body part. If we look carefully at Exodus 4, the Bible says his hand appeared to be leprous. After Moses saw what God had done, after he saw that white leprous hand, God healed him from this particular disease. His hand returned to a normal color. Well, today sometimes we use the color white in the same kind of way. We may have said to someone, someone may have said to us, you're as white as a sheep. Well, not literally, but white is used there to symbolize illness. Or someone else might have told us, you're as white as a ghost. So there is some evidence in the Bible and in the daily lives that we have of white being used to symbolize sickness or disease, illness. White, though, and this is the, probably the more predominant thought, white is also used to symbolize righteousness. Today, as we mentioned this morning, a lot of people are thinking about Jesus' resurrection. If we go back and we study the Lord's resurrection, we find the color white. I said we were also going to look at some information from Matthew tonight, and now is the time for that. If you want to follow along, let's turn over to the last chapter in Matthew. This is, of course, going to be Matthew 28. And the verse that we want from Matthew 28 is verse 3. We have here a creature, an angel. This angel is described as rolling away the tomb from Jesus' stone. After this creature rolled away the rock, the um, barrier to the tomb, we also find Matthew telling us that he sat on it. Matthew says that this angel had the appearance of lightning. He was as or like lightning. Then in Matthew 28.3, we find a color associated with this creature. His appearance was his lightning and his raiment, his clothing, white as snow. Now, white is a color that is associated in the Bible with divine beings. If angels have a particular skin color, I am unaware of it. If there's a passage that can uh, be used to say that these spiritual creatures have a skin color, whether that's light or dark or uh, something in between, maybe they have multiple skin colors. I'm not sure uh, because the Bible just doesn't seem to deal with this. But we do have when we think about the clothing of heavenly beings, there is a color, there's a specific color associated with it, and this color is white. So we have, from the book of Jude, blackness associated with hell. Now as we look at the color white, we find that it is associated with divine um, or heavenly creatures. The image that we're looking at tonight is also seen in the transfiguration of Jesus. The color white is also used there. You may remember that in Mark 9 verse 3, Jesus was transfigured and the Bible as it talks about the Lord's clothing, it says they were not only white, but it describes them as exceeding. It says that they were exceptionally white. Mark 9 3 tells us that the whiteness there was so great, so powerful if you will, it was beyond what a fuller, that is it was beyond what a person in this life would be capable of producing. Sometimes we look at a color and we say, I, I just can't look at that, or I can't look at that for very long, because it's so bright. It hurts my eyes. 
Well, that may be the idea that we read about in Mark chapter 9. Jesus' clothing was extremely white. Then, still sticking with Jesus and the color white, we can flip over to the um, first chapter in Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 10, I'm not going to read it, but if you were to turn over there, you would find in the 10th verse that we have another reference to good angels. These angels were there um, at the time that Jesus was being received up into heaven, and they're described with the color white. Once again, it's not the skin color that's under consideration, but the Bible says they appeared in white clothing. We have then this color white popping up again and again and again when we deal with angels. When we look at the Lord, we also find the color white being associated with him. I am going to read our next reference. This is going to come from uh, the book of Revelation, the first chapter. As John opens this particular book, and really throughout this book, we have a lot of colors in the book of Revelation. White is a color that comes up multiple times. In fact, in Revelation 1 verse 14, John not only used the word white once or twice. In this single verse, he uses the color white three times. He says in his, that's Jesus, his head was, uh, let's try that again, and his head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Then, a few chapters later, Revelation 6 2, we have Jesus on a horse. Now, John could have said that the Lord was on a horse, but he went further than that. He said the Lord is like someone who's on a white horse. Well, we have Jesus then associated with the color white, Revelation 6, Revelation 1. We have white associated with the clothing of heavenly beings, Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1. But we've not yet dealt with any color for mankind. Does the Bible somehow associate the color white with God's people, with Christians? The answer to this question is yes. The answer to this question is yes. And if you flipped over to Revelation 1... Let's move across the page just a bit to Revelation chapter 3, verse 4. John here is addressing the congregation of Sardis. And he says, But thou hast a few names in Sardis that did not defile their garments. Then here's the promise. And they shall walk with me. How? In white. He could have just said they're going to walk with me, but he didn't say that. He said they're going to walk with me, and they're going to walk with me in white. Then he adds, For they are worthy. And some might say, Well, does this promise apply to the hereafter? Or does this promise apply to life on earth? Or is it maybe a mixture? It applies some now and it also applies to the hereafter. The answer seems to be twofold. Here in this life, we start walking with Christ now. That's when we you know, begin that Christian life. We're on the path with Christ. If we do that, then our spiritual robe, our spiritual clothing, our spiritual state before God can be symbolized with the color white. This same writer, John, in addition to writing the book of Revelation, he also wrote 1 John. And we think about 1 John in that first chapter. If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, the blood of Christ does what? It cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? To cleanse us from all sin and to purify us from all righteousness. Well, what does that do to our spiritual clothing? It makes it white. It purifies it. It allows us to be completely free from the spot of sin. The promise of being clothed in white is also found in the next verse. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. White was an important color for John. He that overcometh, and this may have application to the hereafter, he that overcometh shall thus be arrayed in not only garments, but in white garments. And I will in no wise blot his name out of the book of life. Most do not believe that Jesus is riding a literal horse, and certainly not a literal horse that's white in Revelation 6.2. When it comes to Revelation 3, I have some serious doubts that people in eternity are going to be wearing white clothing. 
White here seems to be a symbol. It seems to represent spiritual purity versus the actual clothing. The color is then not the the color of white. Then is not necessarily the key point. Just as the black or the blackness in Jude is not the key point. But the symbol is that people can either be in a right relationship with God, symbolized by the color white, or they can be in a wrong relationship with God and thus experience what's symbolized with the blackness in the book of Jude. We recall, I think, from Revelation 1.5, that John tells us that we're loosed from our sins by Christ's blood. If that's true in our life, if we've accessed the benefits of Christ's blood, if that blood is continually being applied to our lives as far as the uh, power of it to forgive us of our sins, then our spiritual status before God is white as far as our robes. Now, it may seem contradictory to say, well, if we're washed in blood, the blood of the Lamb, we would not then seem to be very clean. But it is one of those paradoxes in the Bible. It seems contradictory, but the blood, uh, not uh, literal, but it is a uh, symbol for um, the power that is available through the cross, and it makes us spiritually pure. That's part of the great mystery that we spoke about this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. Our world is hung up on skin color. We see that day after day. But what really matters is the color of our spiritual robe. Is it white? Is our spiritual clothing white or does it have the blackness that we see in the book of Jude? All right, along with the blackness that we find associated with hell and in addition to the color white that we find associated with Christ, with the righteous, with the holy angels, and with his people, we now turn to a third color. And this color is gray. Now gray, I didn't know this, so I went back and did a looking this uh, week. If you see some Navy ships, you probably see that uh, they're um, gray. And I wondered about that for a bit. Why are ships gray? Well, apparently way back when, ships needed some better camouflage than they have today. So as the ship was against the horizon, if you paint it gray, it's hard to see. So gray was a good color to go ahead and uh, hide from the enemy. And now that's not necessarily as helpful because of the modern technology that we have, uh, radar and so forth. So it seems like now it's more of a tradition uh, to keep ships gray instead of some other color. Well, gray may have been a desirable color for camouflage for ships. But in some other areas of life, it is not a desirable color. We find people, sometimes very young people, in their 20s and uh, 30s and beyond, they find some gray hair and they think, that's not going to typify me. Nobody's going to see me with the gray hair. Let's go down to the beauty shop. Let's go down to Walmart and get something to color that gray out. So gray is not always the most desirable color in life for folks. We hear about gray skies. We see gray skies and people say, I don't like the look of the gray sky. But gray is a color that has some significance and some meaning in the Bible. In uh, Jacob, Genesis chapter 42, verse 38, the Bible says he had some gray hair. Well, the color gray there is a way of saying that he was old. Today, as we mentioned, a person may have gray hair in their 20s and 30s, and certainly we would not deem that kind of person old, but in more cases than not, gray hair is a significant uh, factor when people age. Deuteronomy 32, verse 25, is another passage in the Old Testament which uses gray hair to describe age. Gray is then a color that in some respects reminds people, hey, you're getting older. You're not as young as you once were. Your life is passing by. You have fewer and fewer days. Your hours are fewer than they were yesterday and before. Gray is a color that reminds people of death. We all die. And when that time comes, we want to make sure that the white color that we've looked at tonight symbolizes symbolizes us. That is, our robe is white. That righteousness instead of being associated with the blackness of hell. You know, if you've ever worried about gray hair, there's a passage in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, that we should be familiar with. It may be helpful at some point to turn back to Proverbs 20, verse 29. 
It's a passage that's not that difficult to understand, but I do want to offer a paraphrase of Proverbs 20.29 because it does a very good job of expressing the point. Here's a rather loose translation or a loose rendering of the wise man's thought. He says, the glory of the young, that is the young person, is their strength, their ability to go out and do various tasks that require great strength. He says, on the other hand, the gray hair of experience is the splendor of old. So someone comes along and says, I've got some gray hair. Well, all right. May not have as much strength as you did 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But the wise man said you have some other things. With those gray hairs, you've hopefully hopefully obtained some experience. Gray hair is a reminder that people have lived for a little bit and they've they've learned about life a bit and they know some important lessons. But it is also, biblically speaking, a reminder that our days are numbered. So we need to use these days very, very wisely. God's use of color in the scriptures help us learn about his will for our lives. Our next color. And as I said, we could look at many more, but we want to uh, uh, look at one more, and this is going to be the color green. Now, green's an interesting color because it's first introduced in Genesis chapter 1, verse 30. But as we look at the Bible, we find that it's also used in the last book of the Bible. John also used the color green in the book of Revelation. It's used in places like Revelation 8, 7, and also in Revelation 9, verse 4, to describe God's people or Christians. We're getting to a time of year, Teresa said it's supposed to drop down to about 30, so I guess we need to wait a little longer, but we're getting to a time of year where more and more things are getting green. We see the grass becoming greener and it's becoming more lush and we're going to see some green with uh, uh, shrubbery and trees and some other things. Some of the grass in the lawns right now, if we look at it, there's more brown in there maybe than green, but we're waiting. We're longing for that lush green and full look. John used the color green to symbolize what God's people are supposed to be. Just as that color green symbolizes vitality and life and vibrancy in the secular world, so this color is a symbol for faithful Christians. When we think about a child of God, if we were to use a color to describe our life, green is an appropriate color. Our Christian life should not be one that's filled with blackness. It shouldn't be one that's like that awful brown. Beautiful green is a great picture of Christianity. But as we look at God's people, as far as the church as a whole, it's not always what we find. There are cases where Christians want to be in what I might refer to as a semi-green state. They want a little greenness. They want enough green to be called a Christian. But as far as having that full, lush, green, beautiful look, they say, well, that's not quite what we want to do. That's the wrong choice. The church at Laodicea tried that. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, John talked about that. And John didn't use the color green there. He used different imagery, but he described the same basic point. He said, you're not hot, and you're not cold. You're in the middle. You're lukewarm. Because of that lukewarmness, John said, the Lord wanted to spew these people out of their mouths. He wanted to vomit. That's how he felt, because these people were spiritually indifferent. Green, we know that to be a symbol of life, and from a Bible perspective, green and white go together. If our spiritual lives are like that green, vibrant, lush color that we see when spring is... Um, full force, our robes are going to be white. But if we think about our spiritual life and it's more akin to the blackness that we read about in Jude 13 or brown that we, not, that we didn't talk about tonight, then that green is being checked out, choked out, and we're not in a right relationship with God. There are some Bible colors in addition to what we've looked at that could be studied. We could check out purple and red and scarlet and even yellow. But when we begin to look at the colors that we've talked about tonight and some others, we hopefully begin to realize something. God has used colors to communicate various truths. But these colors are not really designed to symbolize anything new. 
The colors that we find in the Bible are simply one more way that God has used to communicate with us some truths that are found elsewhere in the Bible. When we begin to study the scriptures, let me describe it this way. We find all kinds of interesting things. We find in some passages literal statements. When we look at some other passages, we find figurative statements. We look elsewhere in the Bible and we find some parables. Then we look elsewhere in the Bible and we find some examples. We look elsewhere in the Bible and we find some illustrations. And then we look elsewhere in the Bible and we even find some things like colors. Why did God describe some things and really the same things in this way and this way and this way and this way and this way? He just keeps covering the same ground oftentimes in numerous ways. Sometimes we talk to people and we say to them, I've explained this to you in every way I know how. How else can I make the point? How else can I give you this information? But we try multiple ways so a person gets it. One person may learn better with figurative information. One person may learn better with um, literal information. Another person may profit from parables. Somebody else says, I need an example. Another person says, illustrate it for me. And God says, I'm going to teach you in the best way that works for you. And that's how he set up his word. God has told us the same kinds of things in so many ways so that we can know his will for our lives. And we may not learn best by colors. We may not learn best by illustrations. We may not learn best by examples. We may need literal statements. Do this, this, and this, and you're going to be saved. However we need to be taught, God's Word somewhere has that information to communicate to us the words of life. And tonight, we hope that you've taken time to study His Word. And you've found some of those methods that He's used, and with that information, you've come to a knowledge of the truth. You know that He requires, if you're accountable for your sins, He knows that you're required to be one of His people. And that means faith, And faith is illustrated in a lot of different ways. There are direct commands, there are examples of faith, there are illustrations of faith. And with that faith, there has to be that change in life. That repentance is illustrated in all kinds of ways, even with color. And then we acknowledge that Christ is the Son of God. And then we have to have the blackness of sin washed away. And that's accomplished, as we mentioned this morning, 1 Corinthians 13, by being baptized into that spiritual body. Then we have to be faithful. And God says, if you live by this simple plan, I will save you. Every single sin will be remitted in this life. I will help you get through life and I will bring you safely into eternity. And you'll be one of the blessed forever and ever. It is a great plan. And how sad that people will go through life with God trying to communicate this in so many different ways. They just will not listen. Tonight, we hope that you're here and you're interested in this plan. You have listened to it and you're on the right road. If you're not spiritually right with God, and we can help you in some way to help you take that last opportunity to become a Christian. If you've become a Christian and left to help you come back and restore your relationship with God, or if there's another spiritual need that you have, we'd like to aid you. And we'd like to do that now as we stand and sing the selected song.